0: Good morning, Beech Grove. Morning. Today's reading will be from the book of Job, chapter 14, verses 7 through 15, and chapter 19, verses 23 through 27. For there is hope for a tree, if it is cut down, that it, w- that it will sprout again, and that its shoots will not cease. Though its root grows old in the earth, and its stump dies in the ground. Yet, at the scent of water, it will will bud and put forth branches like a young plant. But mortals die and are laid low. Humans expired, and where are they? As waters fail (coughs) from a lake, and the river wastes away, it dries up. So mortals lie down and do not rise again. Until the heavens are no more, they will not awake or be roused from out of their sleep. Oh, that you would hide me from Sheol. That you would conceal me until your wrath is past. That you would appoint me a set time and remember me. If mortals die, will they live again? All the days of my service, I would wait until my release should come. You would call and I would answer you. You would look for the work of your hands. And moving to chapter 19, oh, that my words were written down Oh, that they were inscribed in the book. Oh, that that an iron pen and with lead they were engraved on a rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and that at the last he will stand upon the earth, and after my skin has thus been destroyed. And then in my flesh I see God, whom (coughs) whom I shall see on my side, And my eyes shall behold, and not another. My heart faints within me. It's the word of God for the people of God.
1: Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you. That through your word for us this day, we would not only grow more in love with you, but we would grow closer to you that we would turn to you always. Amen. I invite you to take out your notes page, <clears throat> the insert in your bulletin as it has been for the last few weeks now. You have your scripture. You do have all the scripture verses for this week. I we, uh, was able to get them all in there as well as uh, the other notes that I have pulled out of this sermon. And as always, uh, feel free to fly, find some blank space either on This sheet of paper or in your bulletin, and take any additional notes you may need to take this message into the world with you. So, we are in uh, this liturgical season of the church called Ordinary Time. It is uh, a time that is, it is a season in the church that is not defined by any preparation for or celebration of. Any of the holy days, that is Christmas, Easter, Epiphany, or Pentecost. We are just kind of in this time, and, and we're moving along. We, the Christmas is right around the corner. It's only about seven months away, and if that raised anybody's anxiety, I apologize. But I, as your pastor, I need to name the obvious. But we are in this time where we are just going along. And so in that, it provides a lot of, of, of freedom, as a pastor in terms of what I preach on. But you know what? It also provides a lot of difficulty because this time is very long. It, it goes and spans from about the end of May, beginning of June, all the way to the end of September. And so that's a lot of weeks to fill. And as I began to pray and discern about what I wanted to preach on, sometimes I'll start with the, the lectionary. I'll kind of start and see where they go. But but other times, uh, topics and, and things just kind of hit me and Um, As I like to say, God hits me over the head with a two by four. Sometimes it feels like a four by six because it hurts a little more. You know, as I was thinking about where we wanted to go, where in our minds we were going after Easter, right? Because we had Lent and then we had Easter and those are defined by celebrations and Holy Days. So I had this freedom within me to kind of take a path for this church as we go down. And And as I reflected on where we have been as a people and as a church this last year, I heard God telling me to preach on Job. And I don't know about many of you, but but Job is not often, I see Cindy laughing at me, Job is not often a book that we would uh, willingly go into, right? Uh, Within Job is all this pain and this hurt and this suffering. But you know what? I think if we're being real with ourselves, the last year has been really rough on us. Amen? Last year's been really rough. There's been a lot of pain. There's been a lot of grief. Just this last week, I believe, we uh, are observing 600,000 lives lost to the coronavirus. We continue to see the pain and heartache of racial division, of political division within our church and within our country. We continue to see all of this hurt and pain that exists within our society. And for a lot of us, we are in pain ourselves. A lot of us are in pain ourselves. And for a lot of us, the question is, well, what is next? What kind of healing is coming? The exhaustive list of things that happen around the world every day. And it, I mean, sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I just think about all the stuff that's happening, all the pain that we're going through, all the pain that I'm going through, sometimes I just want to go back to bed. And just like wait for things to get better. Sometimes I, sometimes I just want to sit and cry. And these are feelings that have welled up within us. And these are feelings that we bring with us as we enter. Well, as we continue to explore. Because we've, y'all, we've fully entered. We're in week three of this series. And we are fully into the book of Job now. As we continue on in this book of Job. And as we continue to look at this character, but you see, the thing that we have to remember, and I've mentioned this before in this series, is we cannot read Job trying to answer the question, why do humans suffer? It's the wrong question for us to ask. Because I think we miss the point of what this book is trying to show us if we ask that question. If we go in trying to think to ourselves, okay, God, why does suffering happen? Then we're going to miss the whole point of this book. Because when we look at Job, and we dive in, and we see that Job is an exposition, it's a narrative on how we respond to suffering, and so not only how we, how we ourselves respond to suffering, and this is both natural stuff, like our natural response, right? Because in Job, we see a picture of humanity's response to suffering, and then we also see God's presence in the midst of that suffering, and thereby in the midst of our lives, And so what happens when we dive into a book like this and we both see the natural human response to suffering and God's presence? It broadens our own ability to process and work through suffering in our own lives. You see, we recognize the ways in which Job handles suffering. We recognize the ways in which Job's friends handle suffering. His wife handles suffering. And then we recognize and we see the way that God works with Job to bring healing and reconciliation But we as humans have tried to find justification for suffering rather than trying to find healing. We think that if we understand where suffering comes from or what causes suffering, that we can stop it. If I just understand where it's coming from, I can prevent it from ever happening. And we do this in all kinds of aspects in our lives. And I'm not saying that reflecting on what caused our suffering is bad. I'm not not saying that. I think reflecting on where we've been can help lead in the process of reconciliation. But it cannot be the only thing we do in suffering. Because in Job, we see an example of what it looks like to grieve. We see an example of what it looks like to go through periods of suffering in our lives. The book shows us how we ourselves can truly react when we are having rough days. Now, as we explore the way we cry out and when we later explore how God responds to us, we will learn that there is no problem in asking the question why. in fact, as a pastor i've often told people why is the most important question we can ask in faith. but we have to be comfortable with the fact that there's not always an answer. and in expecting answers, we have to look more we more we have to more look forward toward the healing that can take place than on Using the past to justify what's happening to us. With our minds and our hearts set on healing and reconciliation. So, we're gonna see the manner in which we keep this dialogue with God open. So, where have we been? Where have we been in this series? Let's place ourselves in this third week. And so, we started out in our first week of this series, and we were introduced to this guy named Job, right? Job was this righteous man, he was this man of God. He had all of these children, he had all of this land, he had all of this livestock. He had this wonderful family, and then we hear about Job, and then we hear about this conversation between God and Satan. And what was the question that Satan asked? Um, Does God, does, oh my gosh. Does Job love God? Just go, Job fear God for nothing, right? That was the question that the Hasatan, the adversary, the accuser figure posed towards God. And then we see Job have this series of just bad day after bad day after bad day. And we see Job suffering. And it all stemmed from and rooted from this understanding that as we begin to look at suffering, What is the nature of our faith with God, right? Do we love God because we are looking for God to bless us always and thereby negate any suffering that happens in our lives, right? Because we believe in God, we will never have a bad day. Or do we believe in God because of who God is, right? Because God is this wonderful, grace-filled being who although bad things happen in our lives, one, it is not God, and two, God can work for reconciliation and healing, right? So which manner and aspect do we believe in God? And then we came in last week, and so we moved from this reflection on this question, which is going to guide the rest of this book, and we moved into this reflection on humanity's response to suffering. And last week we looked at this one response to suffering that we primarily see from Job and his friends, and we began to see this sense of nature of unhelpful help. Right? We saw Job's friends sit with him. Right? They sat with him in silence for seven days, and then they decided that they needed to talk and make Job feel better. And It all went downhill from there. If, if you took the chance to read between between chapters 3 and 27 you saw in there all of that unhelpful help that job's friends were giving him right job's friends sought to indict job on doing something wrong they tried to get job to curse to forsake God and in that they really offered a strain on the relationship with God and so we looked and we explored last week good practices in how we approach suffering right and we saw this nature in which we as a community and we we as people of God practice uh, what we, what, what I termed, and what um, society terms, as empathy. Right, the sense of empatheticism that leads and guides us to know and understand people's pain. And to sit with them, not trying to fix or solve their problems, but instead to sit with them to help to understand and give them your presence. And then we also looked at this other thing that Job uh, embodies, and we really didn't spend a whole lot of time on it, but it was called lament. And do you remember what I said about lament last week? Do you remember what I called it? I called it, lament is a type of grieving prayer. Lament is a type of grieving prayer. And so this week, we continue in that response of humanity that we have to suffering. And we dive deeper into the waters of what it means to lament. And we set the scene last week on this opening lament of Job. We saw how Job cried out, right, and he cursed the day of his birth. And then we moved on and we saw this unhelpful help. And we saw the way and nature in which Job's friends, what did Job's friends do? They spoke about God, right? They spoke about God in manners that sought to blame Job or even to blame God for what is happening in Job's life. And they, but they never take the manner or time to pray to God on behalf of their friend, They never try to seek enlightenment from God on how Job can truly heal. And so really when we look at it, Job's healing becomes a problem to be solved, right? Rather than a way in which Job can heal through a stage of life to strengthen his faith. And so when we come in and we begin to look at our passages of scripture this week, and really when we begin to look at the nature of Job's responses, because remember, in this section between uh, chapters 3 and 27, it's a series and collection of speeches and responses, right? We have, in chapter 3, we have an opening lament, and then the following 24 chapters is one of his friends says something. Maybe for like a chapter or two or three, depending on how long-winded they're feeling at that very moment. And then we have Job respond. And we see as the responses go on that Job goes less from talking about God, which is kind of what we saw in some of our scripture last week, to talking to God. And Job turns to God and cries out. Job lets out all of his feelings, feelings of sadness, of anger, of frustration, of just so much. Job lets everything out. And when we explore in God's response, we will see the ways in nature in which God calls out against Job, but we see the nature in which what is happening in our scripture passages today, what happens in Job's responses becomes so necessary for his healing, right? Job will never curse God, but Job will definitely complain about what is happening in his life. And God will have a conversation with Job about why Job is wrong for complaining. But God still provides the space and the time for Job to go through this process of lament. You see, Job is not wrong to lament. And Job is shown the ways in which he is misguided and blaming God. But it is in this moment, it is the lamenting that becomes the healing form. It is what enters this relationship for Job to begin to heal and reconcile. Not just his relationship with God, but to heal from the suffering that he is experiencing. Like I said, we look at Job as a manner of growth. We do not think that the Job we see in chapter 1 is the same Job we will see in chapter 42. And so while he won't curse God, Job will cry out to God, questioning the nature of his suffering. And so Job, we see Job like his friends, he wants healing, right? I mean, that is a nature of suffering, right? We want to be healed, right? Amen? We want healing, when we're feeling down, when we're going through a bad day, right, we want the coronavirus to be gone. We want to move past it. We want to be able to come together to unite as the body of Christ to do the work that God calls us to do. And there's that very nature. And so we see in Job's crying out this attempt to find healing. And as we read and we look the great thing that we learn from Job about lamenting is that it is very abstractly defined. Now there is an order to lament, but it is a very abstractly defined way that Job can express pure emotion. And we will learn and we see that Job's hope in lamenting it's not necessarily tied to God. It's tied to external sources. Because Job is trying to find healing, and Job is crying out to God to find healing. Job's faith will never be gone, and the nature of of his faith will be rebuilt when Job encounters God. But Job's lament is the feeling of lostness. And in his lostness, it is important to name and to know who Job turns to. And we see that in the midst of all the pain and all the suffering, in the midst of the unhelpful help from his wife, in the unhelpful help from his friends, in the unhelpful help from those around him, who does Job turn to? Job turns to God, plain and simple. He is angry at God. And he feels unjustly treated. Now remember, Job never curses God, right? the, The Hebrew writer is very quick to say that. Job never curses, Job never forsakes. Job always turns to God. But that does not mean that Job is feeling all happy about what God is doing. And this, this is the nature of lament. And this is what leads Job to know that the healing process has begun. Because once we move into chapters 28 and 29 and 30 and on towards the end of the book, we're going to see that it is these conversations, these cry outs to God, that is going to lay the foundation for the conversation that Job will have with God as we move on. And so Job seeks healing. But here's the funny thing is that, well, not funny, but here's the interesting thing is that Job does not necessarily think that that healing can come from God. Job is just looking for healing. And Job cries out, right, for many of us, this this verse may sound familiar, for I know that my Redeemer lives. And I think for us as Christians, we would come in and interpret that, right, we would say, all right, well, I know my Redeemer lives, and my Redeemer is Jesus, right? But we have to remember that for Job, Jesus hasn't been born yet, and they haven't had this understanding of a Lord and Savior. They have God And God is existing in this manner and nature as Lord. And so Job is turning to God. But when we look and we dive more deeply into this nature of Redeemer that Job is calling out for, we see that this word Redeemer in this passage is more closely related to an actual person who will redeem. And like a more generalized term, not a specific term. And so Job is not crying out to God. If we want another example of this, if you look in the book of Ruth, you see Ruth and Naomi call out for redemption. They're calling for someone to restore their familial lineage. And if we we look at the story of Ruth and Naomi and the entrance of Boaz, Boaz becomes this redeemer for the family of Naomi and Ruth. And so we look at it and we hear that Job is crying out, I know my Redeemer lives. I, they're out there somewhere. And as we look and we understand this, we we see that we all have redeemers in our lives. And and yes, we believe truly and wholeheartedly as Christians that God plays a role in that. We believe that God plays a role in it. And sometimes, here's the the thing, is sometimes we can look at this role of redemption and we can see that it can be a, a physical person who comes in our lives, right? How many of us have said, they just came in my life at the right time? Right? And then sometimes... It may not be as physical. Sometimes it may be a little bit more spiritual. But we, like Job, cry out that we know that there is someone, that there is some spiritual being out there helping us to find redemption. That either way, we know our Redeemer lives and is out there and is guided by God's nature of love and grace. And this is what foundationalizes our understanding of lament. Because when we look at lamenting language, when we look at lamenting language, and this is from my Hebrew Bible professor from seminary, she used to always talk about lamenting language as a direct connection to our full understanding of the human experience. And if, and, and if you listen to the words that, that Bob read for us this morning from Job, you hear within that the full spectrum of human language. And if you read even before what jo- what Bob read in chapter 19, you will hear Job's anger and frustration come out. If you go and you read the song the psalms of lament that are in the that are in the book of Psalms, you will hear all of these all of these emotions that come out. But here's the thing. We as the church cannot ignore this nature of lament because when we ignore it, we ignore a vital testimony of scripture that can help us. Right? We as a church, when we ignore lament in scripture, we diminish our ability to be able to do it. And so it is this continued encouragement. This is why I felt it was important to preach on Job, because friends, we need to learn how to lament. It teaches us, it trains us, and ultimately invites us into our own understanding. And so here is the question today. How do we lament? Because again, and, and I know, I, I, I'm not sure how many times I've said it because I've only been here a year, um, but I know I've said it a lot in my ministry, is, is it's easier said than done, right? A lot of things with faith are easier said than done. I can stand up here and preach something, but then you go home and you're like, Pastor, I don't know how to do this. Now luckily, we have a Christian community around us. You have a pastor who cares for you, and, and we can get this work done, and we can learn together. But here's the thing. You see, we build up lament as something we feel forbidden from, as an aspect of feeling as though we are incapable ourselves of questioning God. We feel as though anything except complete and total, 100% perfect reverence to God, we feel that is the only acceptable way to approach God. And we've never been taught a lot of times how to approach God with just every aspect of every feeling that we feel. But here's the thing, friends, Job will find redemption from God, but he has to name where he is, right? Lament is as much for us as it is for God. And so this is a metaphor that I have loved to use about lament since uh, I was in college and I was going through some rough times is that in lament, we are expressing that we know where home is. Right? We know where home is, but we feel lost in how to get there. Friends, that's what lament is. We know where home is, but we just we feel so lost in how to get there. Right? We we know what healing feels like. We know what God's love feels like. But for some reason, in our hearts, in our spirits, we just we don't know how to get back there. And so what does that mean for the language that we use? It means that we let out this emotion to God. Catherine Schiffendecker, she, she writes, again, she is a the, uh, 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 theologian who is helping me in this, in this uh, bold endeavor of preaching Job. And I, I'm very thankful for her, so I want to lift her up as much as possible. But, but she uh, reminds us that clinging to the God whom whom Job also at the same time accuses, right? This is what Job does. This is the paradoxical stance of faith that Job takes. And it is the posture of lament, holding on to God with one hand and shaking your fist at God with the other, not letting God off the hook for one minute, but staying in relationship with that God. And Job exemplifies that posture of lament. And it is precisely that refusal to give up on God that leads to moments of inexplicable hope in the midst of his overwhelming despair. Hope that God will remember Job and long for him. Hope that his Redeemer lives and that in the end, Job himself will see God. Friends, lamenting is holding on to our faith while at the same time, recognizing the ways in which bad things are happening in our lives and offering words to it, offering real words to it. Because if we don't, if we don't, what happens to our faith? Right? What did I point out to you a few minutes ago? that in the midst of all the pain, in the midst of all the suffering, and we can see that there is a thought in Job's mind that maybe God did cause this pain. Maybe God did cause this suffering. Right? It's a thought in Job's mind if you read through it. And yet, who does he turn to? Who does Job turn to? It may lead to an answer of why our suffering has happened. It might. We may not be comfortable with the answer, but you know, we don't do it for that purpose. We don't lament so that we can find out what's going on. We find out what's going on because that's going to help us sometimes to make sure we don't make that mistake in the future, or maybe to clean up after the mistakes we've made. But we do it because it keeps us connected to God in a way that we know that God hears the emotions of our lives and our faith. Because at the end of the day, Job's lament is an example of hope. And Job crying out, Job names the hope from what appears to be dead that can still have life. Right, He names this tree that even in this state where all seems lost, the branches and the flowers can still bear fruit. And our own lament helps us let out our feelings in a constructive way. And it will ultimately connect us to God to find this manner of hope and healing. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to to find out uh, I've, I've kind of given you a basic understanding of lament. And, and there are some examples of lament throughout Scripture, not just here in Job. Uh, we have psalms of lament that are all throughout. If, if you Google psalms of lament, you can find some. If you uh, shoot me an email, I will send you a handful of them. Um, but I want you to write your own laments. And here's the cool thing about writing your own laments. You, you don't necessarily need to be going through a rough time. So you can, you can write laments even when times are good, Laments that you can hold on to for when times are bad. And you can look at and know what it means to let out those emotions. Reflecting on rough times. Find your emotional expression of faith. Because ultimately, it is what's going to help you to hold on to it. Even on your worst days. Amen.